Welcome back to the Lens Baby Podcast. This recording is not a continuation of the Moving Through Fear episodes. It's from a new series, Three Photos, One Lens Baby, where each episode explores the story behind three images, all created with the same Lens Baby gear. While it's best listened to while you're watching the video content, see the YouTube link in the description of this episode, we're including the audio content here as an exercise where I hope you'll pick up on aspects of the conversation that are more about your experience and where the speaker's vision overlaps your vision. I encourage you to listen to the audio version first and then view the video version to see the images that we discussed and how they differed from what you imagined we were talking about when you were just listening to the audio. To see all three photos, one lens baby episodes, go to youtube.com slash lensbabyusa. Hi, I'm Craig Strong with Lensbaby. I am here with Sophia, and Sophia is going to share three of her Lensbaby images shot with one Lensbaby product. Hi, Sophia. Welcome. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very excited to be able to share more information about my images and the process and how I got to take them and capture them. I'm so glad you're up for a conversation about your process. What kind of photography do you do historically, and how is that different than what we're going to be looking at today? I consider myself a fine art slash documentary photographer. Mm -hmm. So I like to document my family, my children's growth, husband, the way they communicate and interact together. Mm -hmm. That's a very important part of my photography journey. I like to do it in a more artistic way, so that's why I take it to that fine art level. But it is a, also a documentation because I am boarding their lives. I am recording their journey. I am recording time. I also like to capture and document the streets of London, and I am a macro photographer. So you're doing things close to home, it sounds like. You live in London. <laughs> you're documenting your daughter growing up, your husband, the relationship there. And so one of these images that we're going to be talking about is of your daughter. And then we've got a macro, you covered that. And then it looks like there's a street scene, at least something that you may have seen while you were walking on the streets. I look forward to diving into those. How did you find Lens Baby? I first noticed it on Instagram. I noticed that lots of the photographers that I admire and follow had these very interesting and new, unique images, lots of blur and the velvety surreal look. And I always wondered, what are they? And I noticed that they would tag Lens Baby and I would get to the page and search. And I kind of always thought to try those lenses. And I remember in 2019, I asked my husband for a Lens Baby as a birthday present. Wow. And that was the Composer Pro 2 with the Sweet 35. That was my first ever lens baby. I was very excited when it arrived and I put it on my camera body, which was the Canon 60 Mark II in that day. And I found it hard at the beginning to use. It wasn't easy. And then I put it away for a while. I do remember yeah. putting it away for a while. What inspired you to bring it back out? I knew I had to continue giving it a try because I had read blog posts that you had to keep it on your body and just walk out with it for, let's say, for a week or two weeks and just never take it off and just capture as many scenes as you can. And then you would get used to it and understand the mechanics, the whole manual focus 
feel because I wasn't used to manual focus lenses. That was really hard for me. And I think it was the next year, 2020, that I decided to follow a blog post to do what they had mentioned, started to work. I started to come back with images that really made me feel, wow, this is what I wanted to see. This is, And then after that, I think I got an edge lens and I was blown away by the edge. I think it was the edge 35. That, okay. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And now we're talking about the double glass two. How did you find the double glass two? Well, I was beta testing the double glass two and... Uh, it came with aperture discs. I remember that. So I remember thinking that it's very similar to the sweet optics. I have all of the sweet optics, the 50, the 35 and the 85. I found it very similar, but then you have these aperture discs, which are amazing because you can insert them and take them out with a ma magnetic little hand. And what they do is they add texture to your background or when you have bright lights or bokeh lights, they change the shapes of these lights. That was really wonderful. I really, really loved that. So it became a favorite, another favorite. Let's flip over to the screen that shows that setup. Now, talk to me about this whole setup. So this one is the Sony a7R4. So this was my move to mirrorless. Okay. And the poser for the Sony mirrorless system for an E-mount. And the, that was, it was a very easy move because I had all the optics. So all I had to do was just adapt the optics to the composer for the Sony E-mount. And that composer, I have the double glass too mounted. For viewers that haven't been familiar with the optic swap system, you have the composer pro two, which is the part with the two gray portions and then the silver mount in the back and that is a focus and tilt mechanism and what you referred to as optics like the double glass two, come out and then you can put in a different focal length a different effect and it sounds like you've got at least three within that system with your double glass two being maybe the most recent is that right yes it is the most recent one yes yeah and we don't show them here, but you're talking about the drop-in apertures that have various shapes. We're going to see that in the bokeh in your last image. I know two of your images use those creative shapes to change the out-of-focus areas. That was something that was particularly interesting to you. Was it rewarding? Was there a learning curve to using those? There was a learning curve, yes. Actually, when I was shooting indoors, because it was winter, like autumn, winter. And I shoot with natural light. I use window light when I shoot indoors. So I have to really bump up my ISO. And when you put the aperture disc, it can get really dark. It was a bit of an incurve there. But sure. once I realized how it worked, the results were really rewarding. So even if some of my images are very high ISO and they're quite grainy because of the weather conditions, because of having that low light, I don't really mind. I think it adds character to the image. Yeah. So this is your first image that you wanted to share. And this is shot with my understanding is a double glass two without any aperture disc installed as far as the shaped aperture discs, because it has two aperture systems. Tell me why you wanted to share this image and what makes this important to you? 
When I was beta testing it, I knew that I would do a series of images. One would be on my daughter because of the weather conditions, having low light. We would do the indoor portraits that I always do using natural window light and my black background. And she is the one that always models for me when I ask her. My son doesn't really like to join me in this, these kinds of portraits and it's okay. She likes to join me and we do usually, we, I usually shoot her face, but my daughter really loves to paint and draw. And she was the one that said, if I could make some pictures of her drawing, which I found very interesting because I've always wanted to work on a hand series and I've taken a few pictures of her hands in the past. And some of them have become, one of them became a book cover and I've always promised myself I that I need to continue working on this hand series of my daughter, not just portraits of her face, because her hands also change. They also grow with time. And I want to capture this because it's something very beautiful. And the fact that she loves to draw and be artistic. So it was something really quick. We just grabbed a hard surface, put it on her knees. It was really improvised. A sheet of paper, she grabbed a pencil and just started to draw. I always buy dresses that have a vintage kind of look, a nostalgic look. And I had two in mind, one that was plain, another one that had little flowers patterns because I love the way they look when they are converted in black and white and with the lens baby effect, it stretches the little flowers. And I like that kind of look at the end, it is it. So we went for the flowers. That's how I ended up capturing this portrait. And she stood next to the window. That light is amazing. The fact that this fits into your documentary values that you want to document your daughter and your family. And this has a very nostalgic feel. It sounds like that's what you're going for, even with the dress that you bought for her to give that more historic sense of this image. When you have a detail like the flowers in the print Mm -hmm. on her dress, and then that goes out of focus. There is, there's a certain poetry visually, you know what that's supposed to look like because you can see it in focus and then it turns into something different. It starts blooming and becoming something more wild as you move away. The other thing I want to say is the choice to have so little of her art in there creates a lot of mystery for me. Was that intentional? Not really. I was for the right angle because the light was quite low. So I was, I'm always watching the way the light falls. So I was more attention to the light and it felt that there wasn't much of the drawing in the photograph. But in the past, I have taken pictures of her hands where she's drawing and the whole picture is included. But then I think it adds a sense of mystery to the viewer. Like it makes the viewer think, what is she drawing? Because she's covering it with the other hand. And knowing what it's like to shoot with a sweet spot lens, I see a perfectly placed sweet spot where her knuckle is probably at the front end of that depth of field within the sweet spot. And then you have her fingers behind. There's there's a knowledge of your gear that's coming through here and how to make this lens work. How long did it take you and what did you do to get familiar with that sweet spot, both with the Sweet 35 and with the 
double glass too? Lots of practice. When I'm doing nature, macro, it is a lot easier as long as there's no wind. Obviously, when it's windy, it's almost impossible. But with still life and macro, it's easy. But with children and especially my daughter, like I can't tell her, stop drawing, keep your hands still because it's true for her. She was just drawing. So it means I have to listen, try and focus and just take many shots to get the image right. There are moments when she will sit still, but in this picture, she really just wanted to draw and I knew she wanted to draw. So I did have to take quite a few shots to get her hand, which was the hand where she's holding the pencil in focus. Mm, So lots of trial and error. Yes. Lots of shots for this one. Yeah. If you were to reshoot this image, is there anything you would do differently? No, I think this is one of my favorites. I really like it. And It's going to be in an exhibition in Barcelona soon. So I'm very happy about that. And if there was one thing, I wouldn't mind trying it maybe with studio lights. And what would the advantage of studio lights be for this scene? It could remove the grain, but then I love the grain. It adds that film kind of quality. But I'm to that step where I want to try it. So that might be the next thing I do. Great. Let's move on to the next one. So this is an image of some hydrangea flowers that are a little past their prime, or maybe they're in their prime, and this is what we've been waiting for. But talk to me about this macro image that you shot with the double glass too, and why is this image important to you? I have quite a small garden, and I wouldn't say I'm an expert gardener or professional gardener, but it's something, another journey like photography, is something I'm enjoying I'm learning and my little hydrangea plant, I've taken care of it for the last two, three years and it's grown and blossomed and I've been documenting it as well. It's how it changes through seasons like I do with my children and it's special to me because it's mine, it's in my garden. I've had it since it's small. I find it very beautiful when nature is dead or dry or some people may not find it, but I find it beautiful and I think hydrangea, hydrangeas look like lace. They have this, mm. these intricate details, and I'm just fascinated by it because during the winter, they have flowers left, and I photograph them. They've got all these details. They look like lace. They're amazing. Mm. So that's why it's important to me because it belongs to my garden, and I took mm. care of it. Mm, that's beautiful. You shot this with a sweet spot lens, and you. my notes say that you used one of the creative apertures, the shapes, the drip splat, What did that do for your image? That was really interesting to discover what it did to the background. Mm. Although this image is quite underexposed because I do like to underexpose most of my images to add that quality of moodiness and add like a dark background. You can't see it very well, but I can see at the back there is some kind of lines and textures that was added by the aperture disc. And I absolutely love it. If it was a little bit brighter, you would be able to see it more, but I can see the texture at the back. Yeah. And you're pointing out a really good feature of these creative shape apertures that when you don't have points of light in the background, you just get very subtle changes to the out of focus areas and it can create a texture. It can create streaks. It can create various things that are just a slight difference from what it would be normally. You add that to the sweet spot, which is really 
the best effect that you could possibly use in order to make your creative aperture sing on any lens. And all of a sudden that isn't what a normal lens image would look like. You're layering the effect that comes with the lens with another effect that is created by the shaped aperture. When I hear you talk about the love that you put into this and why this is a personal story, that hydrangea is no longer just a hydrangea for me. This feels like uh, the story of life and death and regeneration. Hearing your story in this situation really makes this image sing. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. And then would what would you do differently if you were to shoot this again? This one, it's a difficult one because I really like this image and I honestly wouldn't do anything differently because I just like it as it is. Yeah. Not with Good. this one. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last image. So this one is categorically different than the others. You've got some mm -hmm. really bright highlights. And then you have what I just described of that very obvious effect of the creative aperture. The aperture is actually the shape of those three birds. And that's the only thing that is allowing light into your camera. So that's why it makes it a little bit darker. But it also is creating all sorts of texture, both super obvious in the points of light but then less obvious as you're moving to the bottom of these dresses. Wow, this is quite the tapestry. Tell me the story <laughs> behind this. Tell me why this is an important image for you. So this was taken during Christmas time. Okay. We went for a walk and the, everything was full of lights and there's lots of traffic lights. And I thought this is going to work great with the aperture discs. As I remember yes. when I tested the soft focus too and the aperture discs i remember being quite surprised yeah. about the effects you could get with the street lights and all the uh, christmas lights so i knew mm -hmm. this would work really well with all those christmas lights and traffic lights so i went out with my daughter and she was looking at these box and then she saw these really sparkly dresses which they were selling because it's christmas time and everyone likes a sparkly dress at christmas yeah. And she was really interested in them. And then I saw that the window had all these lights around. And I thought this would be great with the aperture discs. And I took the bird disc and started to experiment while she was serving. Mm -hmm. And then I got all these amazing shapes around the dresses, which added like a frame around it of birds, which is amazing. It really, it really does create a frame and almost a river of light coming through there. It's an interesting choice to have seagulls, which I assume these are based on. It was one of our users that created this aperture. It was part of a competition way back in, I think, 2011, 2010. Seagulls in December. Talk to me about that combination. Why this particular shape of aperture? Because I gave an illusion of like a story of dresses could fly. That's what came up in my mind, so that the dresses would fly or something, or that the dresses had wings. Like I sometimes have these ideas that pop up in my mind, and I just follow them. That's creativity. They may not have meaning. They may be from a dream I had, but I thought, what if the dresses could fly or 
had wings and it looks like maybe there's birds coming out like the dresses could be standing somewhere and there's birds coming out from a dark sky or and that's why the, the birds worked well with the dresses yeah they could fly or it could be a sky or again we're talking poetry visual poetry here and <laughs> something that captures your vision that <laughs> you may not have seen apart from having this particular tool of this optic with this aperture but it's vivid for you and it's important and this all flows together in a way that probably no one else on the planet would have seen it knowing your gear allowed you to create this image if you were to shoot this scene again what might you try differently i'd like to have stepped back a little and i did try but then there was a road, so it would have been a bit dangerous. A road with yeah. buses, yeah. yeah, to get more and, of the window and more birds, yeah. Okay, yeah. and you might have been able to change the composition a little okay. bit there to move yeah. daughter to one side and the dresses to another or go horizontal. So, Sophia, thank you for speaking with me. I have one more question for you, and that is when you find yourself stuck what do you do to get yourself out of a creative funk i definitely find that it helps me to take a break because i find that my mind can get overloaded with the fact of overthinking that i'm stuck i don't like my work i don't not like producing so i find that taking a break and sometimes watching documentaries about other photographers or old masters just putting the camera away for a while or doing some gardening, a different activity, that really helps me get back with a okay. fresh mind. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a break. I love the idea of documentaries of masters. Is there a particular documentary you can re recommend? I think I went through a series where I was watching, it was on YouTube about different photographers from the from the film era, from the black and white era. I can't remember all the names at the moment. I was going through that, through the film era, and like trying to draw inspiration from them. But watching people that have in pictures like 100 or 150 years ago, I find that really inspirational. Yeah. And I like to do that when I'm in a rut. It just helps me. If you can find that series, we'll put that into the notes of this video. You know, there's one that I would recommend, and mm -hmm. it's called Everlasting Moments. And it's a photographer from the early 20th century. And it's one of the most powerful movies I've seen. It's a, it's not a strict documentary, but it's based on a true story. So everlasting moments, if you can find it, it blew me away. Sophia, thank you so much for going over three photos taken with one lens baby, the double glass two. You put so much thought and you bring intentionality to these images to be fine art and also to be documentary and it shows. And I am impressed by the, the amount of meaning that these have for you and that, that we get a, a vision into that is a real treat. So thank you, Sophia. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. You have a wonderful day. Thank you too.